You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chip, are you ready for this today? Uh, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, this is an exciting one. I know. I'm so excited. As you guys know, we are talking about overcoming fear this month on the Velvet's Edge podcast. And there are just so many different things around fear. And I think a big fear for most of us is the fear of the unknown. So if there's something that we don't know or something that we don't understand, it becomes scary. Or I know that's how it is for me. And I think this topic really falls into that category. Um, I was lucky enough to meet our guest in a workshop that I did called the Breakup Boot Camp. And it completely shifted the narrative in my head of what I thought about what a dominatrix would be. And so today here with us is dominatrix, educatrix, shamanatrix. She's a writer, a humanatrix and a create creatrix. Did I get that right? (laughs) I stole that from your website because I thought it was so brilliant. But Colette Pervet is here and Colette, we are just so happy to have you here with us. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So as I mentioned, we were at the breakup boot camp and you were one of the facilitators that came in and spoke. And the cool thing about that boot camp, it's put on by Amy Chan. She's an amazing woman. She's also been a guest on this podcast. So you guys might be familiar with her work. If you aren't, you should definitely go check her out. She's awesome. But the cool thing about that workshop is there's all these different facilitators that come in and it's really about helping the women after a breakup really lean into their own power, their own self-love and all different formats of that. And so you came in and I was like, what? A dominatrix? Like, how does this play into me getting over my breakup? Like, I don't understand. Um, But you were so open and vulnerable and you told your story first before we talked about the work that you did. And immediately I felt this just like connection to you because it was such a beautiful story. So I was wondering if you would be so open to share that with Chip and with our listeners and just kind of talk through the journey of your life and how you got into your line of work. 
Mm, yeah, I'd be so happy to. And yeah, so where should I begin? <laughs> I know. <laughs> take us back. Take us all the way back. All the way back um, <laughs> to childhood, to the point I decide to become a dominatrix. Well, to- I think the cool thing about what you shared at the boot camp was part of your childhood and just the dynamics between you and your family. Mm. And um, how that kind of puts you in the position later to really want to learn about your own power. Mm. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Orange County and my folks were um, from Vietnam and they immigrated here in the 80s. And so I'm the child and daughter of immigrant refugees And they've been through so much in their journey of escaping a war-torn country, coming here on a boat and risking their lives and giving me this opportunity here. And, you know, at the time when I was little, I didn't see any of this. I just wanted to be white. Yeah. (laughs) Growing up in Orange County and had a lot of insecurities about my race, about my class, us being poor, about um, even just my body and my weight and all of that. And so my journey has been a journey of overcoming my shadows, my insecurities, my shame, and a huge part of that was actually choosing to become a dominatrix and not even knowing that that was going to be such a healing journey and path for me, but just taking that step of, of wanting to try something new, something I've never even really heard of before. And it transformed my whole life. It from someone who had eating disorders and, body dysmorphia i was putting on lingerie and and being surrounded by powerful badass femmes who were affirming me and being like you look hot i was like really and then like my subs worshiping me and that that shifted my 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 self-perception of you know the insecurities i have about my body and with just you know, the journey of learning how to love myself, accept myself has been like <laughs> ongoing. And, but a huge part of that is also just being able to express that, be, being able to express the parts of yourself that you're ashamed of. And, you know, what I did at Breakup Boot Camp and how I like to open up my containers is by being very vulnerable and sharing all the deepest parts of myself that I used to hide and I used Mm. to be afraid of and I used to keep a secret. And that's when you can alchemize that, that shadow. When you take that fear of what would people think and you're like, you put it out there, Mm -hmm. it's, it's no longer your shame. It's your power. It's your truth. And just by owning it, by saying it, you own it. And when you own it, no one can take that truth away from you. And I think that that's something that also happens inside a session in kink, right? When a sub comes to me and tells me their deepest, darkest desires, their secret fantasies that they haven't told anyone, that is also a moment for them where something is being alchemized. Something that used to be shameful is now something that can be playful and fun and pleasurable and cathartic. And 
And so I just love like this aspect of like the thing that we run away from mm-hmm. is the thing that we should actually run towards or move through. And the journey that I've taken in just being a dom has allowed me to witness every single time that when you step into the unknown, when you step into the moment of vulnerability and uncomfortability is a moment when you are getting closer and stepping into your power. Yeah. I love that idea. I did a podcast earlier, or this was last week, I guess. Um, and it was with an astrologer. He's on our podcast once a month, but we were talking a lot about the shadow self. And he brought up this quote by Pima Chodron. And she says, you know, the bravest thing is for us to look within ourselves at our shadow, because, um, at first it's really embarrassing. Like none of us want to see ourselves in that light. You know, there's these things that we repress and we hold down and whatever it is, I think it could come in the form of the work that you do where you're seeing people maybe in their sexual things that they've repressed, but there's all sorts of narratives around that. It could be anything. And I think as humans or for me, like the healing, the most healing conversations that I have, or the reason I want to do this kind of work is because as humans, we need connection. And when we're being vulnerable with each other and sharing those parts of ourselves, it does, it loses its power. And we realize like everyone has that stuff, you know, and it's not so scary once it's just said out loud, it does, it loses its power. So do you see that a lot in the clients that you work with? Yeah, I think that they, they begin to see how much power they have when they choose to be vulnerable and step into the unknown and give me their power. And I think that it's a misconception that the subs or the clients I see don't have power. Mm-hmm. It's actually the opposite. It's they're giving me power. And by dint of that, it means that they have power and they know that they have it. And they realize that even more through the session as they keep on giving up more and more of themselves to the deep surrender into the unknown and I think that the, the journey of a session is, is the deep dive into discovering your power. And it's, it's paradoxical in that the more power you give up, the more power you realize you have. The more mm-hmm. that you can surrender, the more that you can say yes to the unknown, the more powerful you are because you are trusting yourself and and the dom and the moment and everything and saying, yes, I'll take this on. I'll experience this and feel this, even though it's painful and uncomfortable and degrading. There's something here that's allowing me to just be and feel without judgment or fear. Well, especially when you're coming out of it alive and safe on the other side, it's like a, an empowering thing that, you know, I would, I, I'm curious, like, I mean, I don't know what your relationship is like with your clients. Like if, if um, when you're together, it is very specific to what that moment needs to be, or if there is any sort of level of like talk therapy that happens too. like, are these people taking what they're learning and, and using it outside of, you know, in the real world um, Mm -hmm. in ways like at work or something like that, where there, you know, obviously it takes a lot of courage to submit to somebody um, and there's obviously a lot of shame and particularly in the U S around sex and, you know, we're taught so much of that. So to be able to be vulnerable in that situation, God, I can only imagine like what it would allow someone in a relationship at work and in, in like daily life things like, you're like, wow, if I could survive that, 
yes. behind closed doors, it must be really powerful in those other situations. Absolutely. And I think that it's like what happens on the micro level inside the dungeon is also what happens on the macro level outside the dungeon. I actually think that the dungeon is kind of this training ground and metaphor and practice for life. Everything you do inside the dungeon is a practice of what you should be doing outside the dungeon, right? And inside the dungeon, before a session even happens, the reason why it's so safe to explore all of this is because there's a negotiation that happens before a session that we do have a conversation. It's really deep and and goes through all of the parts where, where I ask the sub, what is it that you want? What are your fantasies? What are your desires? What are your boundaries? What are your physical limitations? What's the safe word? And we establish all of that before we begin. And that's how they feel completely seen, heard, held, accepted. And even the parts where they're like, oh, I've never shared that with anyone before, how this all began or why I have this or that I even have this desire. It's cathartic, even just in the moment of sharing that. And then to be taken on this journey to experience it and to be able to get off on it, then you just transcended these dualities of your mind of thinking that this thing that you used to think was shameful or such a big secret is actually a point of pleasure, a point of being able to get off on it and be like, wow, that was fucking amazing. I feel so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have so many questions. <laughs> Me too. Like, I just don't know which one to ask first. I know. Okay. Well, let me, I just, uh, yeah, I feel the same. I'm like tongue tied. Cause I'm like, wait, I want to ask this, but then this, and this. <laughs> like one, did you just wake up one day and you're like, you know what I'm really interested in is being a dominatrix. Like where did that start? Yeah. I didn't even know what a dominatrix was until, um, I was in grad school and this was like 17 or 18 years ago. And two of my friends started working at a house of domination called the gates. And, um, one of them told me about their experience they had that day. I was like, so what did you do today? And they're like, well, I tied the guy up, I spanked him, hugged <laughs> him, you know, strap, strap on, fucked him in the ass, pissed on him. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Practice like, all in a day's like, work. Whoa, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> Another day at the office for you? Is that right? Okay. Then I studied for an exam. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just kind of blown away that that's the story she got to tell about her Tuesday. Right. And I was like, I want stories like that to tell. That just sounds so amazing to have that in my, my book when I look back. And, yeah. you know, how I like to make decisions when I'm and, you know, it was kind of a a tough decision to make because, um, like, it's like this work is kind of underground. And back mm-hmm. then in 2005, it, what, the, before Fifty Shades of Grey, this was way underground. Oh, and yeah. A gray, shadowy area. Didn't didn't really know much about it. I didn't even know if, like, the, you know, clients and subs were, you know, quote, unquote, normal. I was like, who would want this? Who would pay a woman to, like, have them kick them in the balls? I don't get it. Like, I didn't get it. But I was just curious about, like, I have to figure out what this is because it just seems so strange. And, you know, I just asked myself, what's the story I want to tell? And the story I want to tell is, yeah, I want to have those crazy random Tuesdays where I get to like piss on someone and get paid for it. <laughs> I went in for an interview and, and kind of made up a, a story that I've been practicing this in my personal life, but wasn't true. And 
started shadowing sessions until I felt comfortable enough to take my own sessions. There weren't any, it wasn't a real formal training at all. It was just dive in and learn as you go. And I learned a lot. Who was the boss? Like, who do you interview with in that situation? <laughs> she was a headmistress. She kind of ran the whole space. And um, yeah, and she was very much like a headmistress-like type. Right. Like what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can can you take us into like the dungeon? Because I, I want to know. Too. I kind of want to picture the space <laughs> where this is happening. I've yeah. also never seen Fifty Shades. So, Me either. Or read it. So I'm, I've got either. no context. I mean, I well, can that's imagine. Okay. I don't think you need to. I don't think it's the most accurate way to yeah. describe like kink. But it, it was a thing that opened the doors to so many people's right. imagination. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but, oh, I guess I wish I kind of did this um, podcast in my dungeon. <laughs> oh, I know you're in this bright, airy room. It's beautiful. It's like a nice like, juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, my dungeon's a much darker place. It's dark and spacious and has like the St. Andrew's cross, spanking bench, sling, padded walls. Um, hold on, hold on. Go back. You said a spanking bench, a what? St. Andrew's cross. A bench. bench. No, a spanking bench. And then did you say a sleigh? A sling. Kind of like sling. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I'm getting my visual. Like a, a, like, uh, okay, yeah, sling. Okay, like a seat. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. I have like two cages, or actually three. And, um, you know, all lots of suspension points and bondage points and and um yeah it's just a a space that feels dark and dreamy has lots of toys and whips and rope and lots of bondage gear lots of leather metal cuffs and and also just a little negotiation area where we sit and chat before and after a session. And yeah, that's where the magic happens. So go ahead. I was just going to (laughs) ask, are the clients fully, like, do they get fully nude in the situation? Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So what happens? They walk into the dungeon and y'all sit in the negotiation area. And that's when you ask them the questions, like, what is your, why are you here today? Kind of thing. Yeah. If they're a first time client, then we have that negotiation and go over all the the things that they want to get into, the things they don't want to get into, any physical limitations and establishing the safe word. And if they're a regular, I've had regulars of like over 10 years and even 17 years, then we don't have that conversation. We just kind of chat. And, be, and then at some point we're like, okay, are you ready? Let's, mm-hmm. let's begin. Um, okay. If you've had relation like clients that long, that's almost like a relationship yeah. of some sort. Like you're connected yeah. to them in a, in a certain capacity. So are these clients, like, are they single? Are they in relationship? Is that part of something they negotiate with their partner? Like, how does that work? Is it different with everyone? It's different with everyone. It's a wide range. There are some who are single and some who are married and some do tell their partners and some don't. And I just respect where they're at with how they want to share themselves. And I love it when they can 
be open about this with their partners or when they bring their partners in and I get to play with couples and women, but typically they're, they're mostly men and, mm. um, and they want to, and maybe they're mostly in their forties and above, but there are some who are younger. I think that something does happen when you reach your midlife and you realize, wait, you need actually need to live your life and explore things. And, and, and so they see a dom. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're both just like taking it all in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I liked the idea. I mean, this is when I, a lot what I learned in the breakup boot camp because there's so much of the power dynamic play in a session like this. And so we're talking about the actual physical acts. I actually researched a bunch about like dominatrix and BDSM. And it's one of the misconceptions too, is like when you associate things with sex workers, that there's actual sex that takes place. And like, I read a lot that a lot of doms are like, no, that's not how this goes at all. Or, you know, like it's not something like that. And it is more about the power dynamic. And so can you talk us through that a little bit? Like what you're seeing in your clients or maybe what kind of power it brings to you? Like how that's like a healing thing from, Mm -hmm. like you said, healing your own insecurities even and things like that. Yeah, I think that is a common misconception. Um, that, 
that clients have sex with doms. It's no, they, right. they don't typically in most classical typical sessions, they don't. It's really about exploring your alternative sexuality. It's about finding all the other ways that you can get off. It, that's not vanilla sex. And, and that's the fun part of kink. It's like, Oh, so I could actually get off on just like sucking your toes. Wow. That's crazy. I yeah. didn't know like golden showers, but, and so <laughs> I think that, well, the thing that does typically happen is that, um, the subs, if the mistress allows them, they can touch themselves. They could self-release, but that is, you know, up to, up to the mistress's discretion. Mm-hmm. If, um, they deserve it. And, um, but in sessions, it's about really exploring all the other ways in which you can get off and find pleasure in unexpected ways. And, and the unexpected places are the places of discomfort or pain or degradation. It's the things that you typically would avoid or run away from here. You explore it and find a way to make it erotic. And that's kind of the work of the mistress that she can seduce the sub into saying yes to these things where he's like, Oh my God, I didn't know that I was into that. I thought I would be into this and yes, but not that, but somehow you just found a way to push my boundary just a little so that I know that my boundaries are actually softer than I thought. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the craft and the skill of, of topping someone to kind of push them to their edges and explore where their edges are and see how much further you could take them and allow for them to be like, oh, wow, I'm actually quite limitless in how I can find my pleasure through this space. And do you get people that come in and they're like, when you say something, I don't know what your questions would be, but like if they sit down in your negotiation and you say something like, why are you here? And they're like, I don't know. Do you ever get that? And it's part of the journey to bring that out. They always know. They know. Okay. They always know. And even if it's subconscious, it's still right. Right. They may be like, I don't know why I have this fantasy Mm -hmm. of wanting to just be on my knees and look up to a woman and surrender to her, but I just have that fantasy. Right. So they may not know where it came from. They may not know why they feel it so deeply that they're that they landed in my dungeon. But all they know is that this arised in their in their subconscious, and they want to explore whether or not they can truly, truly find pleasure in it. Because somehow in their mind, they find it titillating mm-hmm. or provoking or provocative, and. And the only way to know if this is something that they could really bring them pleasure is to experience it. Yeah. Are, most of, are most of them people that in their daily lives are fairly powerful? Like, is that a common a thread? Question. I think that that stereotype is true for some, for, for reasons of, yeah, in our, in our everyday life, we are always trying to be in control. And so there is a reason why like a lot of, you know, CEOs or lawyers, they just love being able to have a moment where they don't have to call the shots. They don't have to be in control. They don't have to think about what they are going to do next. They even have to think about themselves. They could just allow 
all of that and their ego to slip away mm-hmm. and to fully surrender. And I think that the more, I think that we have this internal compass within us to seek balance. And in our everyday life, if it's thrown off balance by being like so in control, so on top of everything, your subconscious mind is going to come up with some fantasies that you're like, whoa, this is strange. Mm -hmm. Why am I thinking about this right now? I mean, even for myself, when I was studying for my qualifying exams, which was one of the most like stressful moments of my like grad career, I had these weird medical play scenes of being like a patient and, you know, surrendering to the doctor. It's like, why am I having these fantasies right now? Right. I'm like, oh, it's because I'm so fucking stressed out right now. I'm trying to be like, so like on all these like topics I'm supposed to be a specialist in that I just want to have a moment where I am like completely like mm-hmm. surrendering and maybe even being taken advantage of, right? Like this is what happens. These fantasies arise subconsciously because your subconscious is trying to find balance within yourself. And you may not know why you have fantasy, but there is a root to it. I love the psychological aspect of that. Like I'm fascinated with the stuff that like our brain, what it brings up or what comes up out of our subconscious when we're in stressful times of our lives and how often like it could be tied to sexual things. And we're so conditioned to just repress instead of like explore what, what's that bringing up or why, like what, like what you're saying, why that fantasy? Well, there was something else that was out of balance within you. And that is like, so fascinating to me. I just think it's like, it's just an interesting dynamic too, because we're all taught from such a young age to just stuff anything sexual just down, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not okay. And there's only these certain conditions where those kind of things are acceptable. So do you deal with that a lot? Like helping people work through some of that repression? Absolutely. I feel like that is the crux of the work of being able to create a safe space. I think the dungeon is this place of no judgment. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no judgment. And that is just the most cathartic experience like space to be and to not be judged. And, and I think that for, for anyone to be, to be themselves, to be able to share who, what's inside, even though it seems so wild and crazy, mm-hmm. even think that they're, this is what they might be into, but to be able to have no judgment, to to not think that this thing is good or bad, right or wrong, normal, crazy, and just be accepted for mm-hmm. all that you are and all and all the parts of you that's coming up and wants to come out and express itself, right? Like to be able to, like for a man to dress up as a woman and to enjoy that experience and to be treated like one and to be taken like one, it's it's cathartic to be able to transcend gender, to transcend ideas of how one should be. And I think that's the reason why men typically see doms. It's because our society and our culture has conditioned us and conditioned men to define themselves in such a narrow way. If a man cries, then he makes him less of a man. If he wants to let the woman lead, that makes him less of a man, right? When, if they express themselves 
in a way that's through screaming or moaning or whatever it is, that's not masculine or manly. I think that it's, it's allowing the sub or the man or whomever to be able to just express whatever wants to come out mm-hmm. and not think, um, does this make me less of a man? Does this make me gay? Does this make me what? It's just like, you don't even have to think about it. There's no, yeah. it's just feeling and no judgment in how you feel and be in the moment. Well, that's like where the fear, it's like releasing fear completely because I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, it makes sense to me that men specifically would want to go to a session like this because I can't imagine that it's easy. And maybe this is, this goes for women too. It's for all of us to approach your partner about certain things. Like it's scary because, you know, obviously they're going to have their reaction probably based on their own fear. Like, you know, like if I was in a partner with a man, that's, I mean, in a, yeah, partner. Did I say that right? A uh, partnership. <laughs> I was in a partnership with a man who came to yeah. me and was like, "Hey, I think it's really going to turn me on if I dress like a woman." I know that initially my reaction would be like, "Wait, what does that mean?" You know, it would produce all this fear within me, and right. I, I say I want my partner to come to me with fantasies and all that stuff, but it is scary, and so it takes a certain kind of partnership, I think, to be able to really work through those dynamics together. So it's, of course, like that makes so much sense that they would associate a place where there's no judgment, no shame. It's just complete freedom to work out whatever it is that you want. Do you you find that any of your clients are taking their newfound like freedom in in these kinks back to their partners um, and, and exercising them at home? Or, or is this a, a fantasy world that they need to exist sort of separate from the rest of their lives, particularly when it comes to sex with a partner or whatever? I think it varies depending on individual to another. Some just experience this moment of catharsis and it just, they let that, that feeling and that bliss and that knowing of what they have just experienced kind of carry them through their days and they're like, oh, okay, this is this is my other side that gets to experience the unknown. And then there are some who who do want to talk about it and do want to explore how this experience is actually something that can can affect the way that they connect with their partners, the way they connect with their associates at work. It's it's. It's something that is a part of their experience and it's shaped them and has made them more open, more vulnerable, more adventurous and more willing to explore the unknown. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably the, the, most, the most fundamental piece of the willingness to explore the unknown and to shed a little bit of that fear of not of stepping into something where you don't know what's going to happen next. Right. Right. Well, um, for, for the, most people are going to be listening to this and not see you. She's wearing a a beautiful lace mask. So I'm curious, like if in sessions, like, do you always have the mask on? Are your clients masked? Like, what is the, um, what's the divide, the divide? Like, is that to like, 
and in real life, like, do they know what you look like outside of the, outside of the dungeon? Yeah. I don't wear my veil in session. So my subs do get to see me. We see each other face to face and they are not veiled either. They're fully naked and exposed. And I prefer the veil because I like to keep a part of this, who, what I do. Like I like a little bit of privacy and I Uh like knowing that um, the people who know me face to face are people I have seen face to face as well. Right. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybretza.com. I mean, I'm still at that place where I'm like, I have 10 questions, so. <laughs> I want to know how, how like, for new, for new clients, like, I'm not going, getting very deep. I'm just, like, asking really curious questions. But how often, like, when it, particularly when it's a new client, how quickly do they get to their safe word? You know, like, or do you, is it, like, you see Are the fear immediately? Scared? Yeah. That's, I think that's part of, like, the skill of the dom. She doesn't want the sub to get to their safe word. Right. Because when you get to your safe word, that means that you're in fear. Yeah, you tapped out. <laughs> yeah, that you've, like, you've touched the, upon their edge and they've like gone over the edge and they can't take it anymore. And so you're really, the, the work of the Dom is to get them as close as they can get to that edge, but to keep on wanting them to go one step further and to not say for it, but to be like, Oh, I thought this would be too much before, but in the moment I am just in it and I love it. And I could keep on saying yes and keep on accepting this. When you say the work of the Dom, like what just popped in my head was like, well, like, do you go to school for this? Like, how do you train? Is it trial and error? And is that like, like how do you figure out what's too far? Is it a very like empathetic thing that you're feeling your way through each session? Or do you have some sort of training background where people are like, do this, not that? Like, how do you train to become a Dom? 
Well, there was no training for me in becoming a dom. And I think typically in like the US, there isn't really a formal training to become doms. You, what you could do is well, typically you work in a house. Sometimes if you're lucky, the house does offer training, but in my house, there was no training. It was you shadow sessions. You sit in on other doms sessions, just watch what they do. And until you feel like you could do that too mm-hmm. and want to start making money, then you, you start taking sessions and then you learn as you go. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you can, there are instances where, um, when I, I mentored a, a lot of doms in my, in my career to, to explore this world and had them shadow my sessions and just show them the ropes. Um, and so because I feel like there's not enough education out there in becoming a dom, I've created my own course of and training and mentorship for women and femmes who want to explore becoming doms as a way to give them a sense of like what to look out for, what to do. How do you cultivate right. dom persona? How do you bring out this voice, this act, this, this playfulness? And so I just put together everything that I've learned in my 17 years as a dom into a, a program that feels like a deep dive into this world of kink. Well, you've talked a lot about it being mostly male clients, but so I want to talk a little bit about this, this workshop that you offer. Um, it's called the mistress class. Is that right? Mistress. Why am I not fun? Yeah. Yes. And so, and you can find all the info on your website, which I'll link all of that in the description of this podcast, but are you seeing a lot of women come into this work or just have interest in this kind of thing now? Like, has that shifted over the years? Is it more prevalent now than it was in the past? Yes, it's definitely more prevalent now. And the first time I launched mistress class over a hundred women and femmes enrolled in the course and I was blown away by it. And I think that it just speaks to how the times are shifting and that there are so many women and femmes out there who want to explore stepping into their power, who want to explore this whole other world where they are worshipped and they are adored for being in the power, in their feminine power. Mm-hmm. Can you touch a little bit on what that would look like? Like, Because I know we've talked a lot about masculine and feminine energy on this podcast, and I'll have people come on and kind of talk through like, you know, the masculine is a very leadership type energy. And so I think some people interpret the feminine energy to be weak. And I'm like, no, it's like, so the opposite, but I'm not always able to verbalize the power of the feminine. Do you have some sort of definition you give to people or description of what that might look like? For me, I think it, it's a personal definition of what like power is and how I define it. And I think that when we think about power, it does have this, it's rooted in a very masculine patriarchal way. When you think about like control and being able to dominate a lot of people and you think of like political leaders or celebrities, but I think that what's happening in, in this space is that we start to define the power, the, the power in a different way, in a more feminine way. And it's not weak, but soft and Mm -hmm. subtle 
and it's not rooted in patriarchal terms of competition of one has to lose for the other to win. But the power of the feminine is actually about collaboration, cooperation, and being able to come together to support each other into coming into our power together. And that's a huge piece of what I think the power of the feminine is. It's the way that we come together in connection, collaboration, and cooperation to make each and every one of us stronger. And that's what's so powerful in, in mistress class that I didn't even realize until all these incredible badass femmes showed up and the way that they supported each, each other into exploring their, their dominant sides. It was so powerful the way that they show love, support, encouragement to explore themselves, mm-hmm. even though it feels really vulnerable, even though it feels really edgy, but to be able to be supported by each other and to see that we can all explore this and find ways to define what power is for us. And yeah. for me, power is the ability to create change. And I think the power of the feminine is just there's, it's a much subtler way to create change. It's not forceful. It's not brute force or control. It's, it's inspiring. It's inspirational change. It inspires you to want to, to change yourself or change what's around you. And mm. I think that that's really the power of the feminine for me. Yeah. I think that's amazing that that's what your workshop, that's what you noticed with the women, because I think so often something that I've experienced, or it's just kind of like our culture maybe, and like social media world and all of it is we are put in direct competition with each other constantly. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. I have to be this way to keep a man's attention to, you know, to then like, and it's so much pressure. And then you find yourself do, you know, doing the comparison thing, or like you said, trying to control, like driving to like win, to do all the stuff. And it takes you completely out of your own power when you're doing that. And so it's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing to hear you say that what you noticed with the women was their encouragement of each other, because I do believe what you're saying is true, that that does make us so much more powerful than tearing each other down and competing with each other and not standing in our own power and uniqueness. Right. Yes. So I think that what this, this idea of like competition, the the idea of like power in these defined and patriarchal ways, it's really stems from this like scarcity mindset Yes, that there's not enough for all of us that if you have this then I can't have it. And so what's so powerful of the feminine power is the abundant mindset mm. that there's enough for all of us. And then yeah. what I love doing is sharing my subs with the, my new mistresses and they get to experience playing with them, connecting with them. And also I bring on other guest doms into the course to, so that they could see like, wow, there's so many ways for, for you to access your inner dom and to weave your own personal personality into this. Mm -hmm. There's not just one way to do it, but it's the way that we all come together. And what's so beautiful about this world is really the sisterhood, the Dom sisterhood. I have, I'm so grateful for the community of 
of Dom sisters who have been so supportive because this work is still in the shadows and that we are still being suppressed in social media, in all these spaces, and that we have to keep on supporting each other so that we can be seen, heard, and accepted culturally. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about what, so if people listening are like, oh my God, I'm kind of interested in that. Um, I feel like also, I wonder if listeners are listening and they're like, I'm very interested in that, but I'm also really scared shitless that I'm interested in that. Like, I wonder if you're like battling yourselves. Cause I feel that a little bit. I mean, I was going to say that's kind of how I feel, you but do? it's like, well, the I feeling. mean, it's, it, it's like, because I want the bravery to think that I'd be able to step into that and be yeah. comfortable, but I'm like, but I don't think I could, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you could. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I think also some of that is probably coming from me. Like what kind of shame would I carry if somebody knew that I was doing that, you know, sure. because there is, there's that element to it too, because obviously if you're going to do something like this, you have to be doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you share with people that you're doing it or do you just like, let it unlock something in you that then you share that power with people without having to tell them that how you arrive up to at it. Probably up to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's up well, to I'll you. let you know, Kelly, if I ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell the whole world. So <laughs> yeah, no, you'll make me talk about it on here. So. <laughs> Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what would you say to to listeners, Colette, that would be maybe kind of battling with themselves about that? Is that a common reaction that you get? Yeah, I think that... I think that there are those who have been curious about exploring this, but feel like there's some resistance to it. And that resistance is their own self-judgment, or maybe it's it's the voices that they've internalized from around them growing up or even in their social circle, that maybe they are in a space where they feel uncomfortable to share these desires. And so they're like, what do I, how do I, what do I do with this? And I would say, if you have the desire, you should seek that out. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point of life and why we're here to explore what makes us curious. I mean, I, if I didn't explore this little thing I was curious about, I was like, why do men pay these 
doms to <laughs> piss on them. I don't get it. Yeah. I didn't get it until I was in session with them. And I was, and I was doing, it. I was like, I get it now. I told, they are really enjoying this and I could, and I am too. Yeah. And these things that, you know, when you verbalize it, it doesn't make sense because you've been conditioned to avoid these things. But then when you experience it, you're like, oh, it actually feels really good. That's why. That's why I want to explore that. And, And so what's holding you back are just voices that have been conditioned within you to think that this is bad. But when you can experience something without judgment, that's pure bliss, right? To be able to experience this feeling of complete surrender, of being able to be someone else, to cry, to scream, to moan, to be completely in bondage. And yet you're like, I feel so free right now to experience intense pain, but yet it feels so good the way she's spanking me right now. I didn't know I would love the cane. <laughs> right? like, that's when that happens, that's like the orgasm of your mind. Too. Right. That's right. It's the orgasm of like, aha, I had no idea it could be like this. And I've had so many subs in the past who were like, I can't believe that I just had an orgasm from getting fucked in the ass. Oh, but, but a full body orgasm, like a, like the way women get. And it's like, if only all men in the world knew that there was this whole other way to experience this orgasm. Oh my God. I, what a, I'm so glad I got to experience it rather than not. Right. And yeah. like, but even that is such a edge, right. To, for most men or even women to think about that, to be taken in that way, to open yourself up, to be stretched in that way, to completely surrender in that way. But when you do, and there's no judgment around it, and you could just feel how good it feels, that's you transcending all dualities of your mind and the society's dualities of what's right, wrong, good, bad, masculine, feminine, crazy, normal, all of it's gone. Yeah. And you are just truly being that's bliss. How, how hard was it for you to get to a place of no judgment? Um, cause I mean, I would imagine that like some people have walked through your door where you're like, Oh, I don't want to see this person naked, you know, or like someone has a fantasy or like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Um, I, I feel like I don't have that feeling. I don't have that judgment when someone amazing. comes through. And I, I think that that's been, maybe it wasn't the case always, but like, that is the work that I think we're here to do, which is to let go of those judgments because Uh when you judge something, you cease to understand it, right? When you judge something and you're like, that's not for me, that's bad. You, your ego, your this thing that's protecting you from it, from getting hurt or getting whatever it is, it's blocking you from being able to fully understand it and experience or, or even get to know it. And so for me, I am not, I'm typically not judgy. I'm curious. Okay. I mean, that's amazing. Like, 
I mean, I th- I think that that's a um, it's a that's a place that we all should get to. <laughs> yeah, and and I do like that was a really interesting sort of point of view of, of like being like if if you judge something, you cease to understand or give yourself the opportunity to understand it. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to all like everything, you know. But if you don't try sushi, you don't know if you don't you don't know if you truly like it or not. Yeah, I think that that blocks you. Judgment actually blocks you from experiencing fullness of life because if you say, that's not for me, I'm not a, I don't know, mint chocolate chip person, whatever, ice cream flavor, then you never try that flavor and you always Mm -hmm. stick with vanilla, what you know, because you're like, I like vanilla, right? But if you just go, huh, that's a new flavor, Uh, I guess I'll give it a try and see what I think. Right, right. And judgment is so based in fear, truly, because it's like, I know you're like using the ice cream example. You're like, I always eat vanilla. I'm going to eat vanilla. It's easy for me to eat vanilla. I know I like it, but there's all these other flavors. And if you don't allow yourself to taste them and then dislike or like some of them because you're scared to do that or what it's going to feel like in your mouth or something like you really are holding yourself back. Like it's all rooted in fear. Right. Yeah. I think that it's. The, and that, and our fear is what makes us judge something. Right. Because right? we're like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. That's normal. That's not what I want. I don't think I want that. So right. I'm going to judge it. And when you judge it, then you, you're choosing not to get to know it, experience it, identify with it. Mm-hmm. I think that I just keep hearing the word stay curious, stay curious. I, I love that. To judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I love this whole idea. I mean, this goes back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast, but our true power coming when we actually let go, you know, like it's such a life metaphor or whatever you want to say, but even in your dungeon, when people are coming in and they're saying what their thing is, they're letting go of the fear around it. That's when they're truly the most powerful is when they just lean in and open themselves up to whatever happens next. Yeah, that's such a paradoxical thing, right? Yeah. To think that power is in actually surrendering and letting yeah. go. And that's that's the whole, I think that's the crux of BDSM. It's the art of letting go. And we've been told that all the time to let go of your ex, to let go of that thing you want, but you can't get or whatever it is. But it's so hard to just let go. And I think that in the dungeon, you get to practice that, not just on a mental level or on, you know, some kind of psychological conceptual way. It's like full on all modalities. It's the physical letting go, the emotional letting go. It's the psychological, it's the spiritual letting go. You are truly practicing on like the deepest and most expansive levels of how to let go. And when you do that, it's going to have ripple effects in all aspects of how you navigate through the world mm-hmm. and the unknown. I love that. Well, I know we have, um, you have a mistress class starting October 23rd, which is just around the corner. Will you tell the people where sure. they can go sign up for this? If people are listening and they have more questions, like where they can find all your information and contact you if needed. Yeah, they could find a lot about Mistress Class on my Instagram um, page at Colette Prevet. And they could also find it on my website 
And there you'll find out all the details of the course, what it offers, and and just and also the roster of the guest Dom speakers are found on my Instagram page. And yeah, it's an immersive two-month journey into exploring and in embodying your inner Dom and learning the skills technical skills of being a dom but it's also learning how to be in your fullest power so that this isn't just you playing the part and pretending but you truly mm-hmm. love in yourself that you are a powerful femme who knows her desires and knows how to realize them Well, as I said, I'm going to put all of this information in the description of this podcast. Colette, thank you for being here. I mean, get your questions answered. I feel like, I mean, I feel like I've got a million Would this could go on for hours. (laughs) This could go for hours. (laughs) Well, we may just have to have her back on. (laughs) (laughs) Think about all those things. And maybe the next time we are on, we could have a session. <laughs> oh, oh now this have, just got interesting. And then we should have podcasts like number two, right? Oh my god, oh my I god. love this idea. <laughs> get, those, get those whips ready. I'm oh, ready. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like blushing. <laughs> all right, Colette, thank you so much for being here. As I said, I'm going to put all the information for the mistress class and just to keep up with Colette on her Instagram in the description of this podcast. And um, yeah, let go of fear, you guys. Stay curious. Let's release this stuff. Stay curious. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Of was- course. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro. The first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. Don't waste time on tedious hand washing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybretza.com.